You're listening to Wholehearted, a soul sister conversation. You are here with healer intuitive Donnelly Wynan, life coach Prue Sulisic, and women's empowerment artist Tanya Marie Reeves. Together we are navigating life on purpose, pushing boundaries, imperfectly unstoppable. We are here to inspire and encourage you to live fully into your own life, to be the compassionate observer of your thoughts and feelings, and to make a conscious choice to change what is in your power to change. We are so happy to have you here. So we have a really special guest today that we're really excited to have here. So hello, welcome to Wholehearted. Uh, you're going to speak people these girls are not ready not used to speaking yet because we've always done the live (laughs) cracks me up every time hello it's donna lee here welcome hello beautiful souls (laughs) and hello nina welcome i'm so excited thank you yeah so i'm not sure you might not even know who nina is or you might but i'm going to give her a bit of a formal introduction so i'm going to read her bio for us And so Nina is a TEDx speaker. So freaking epic that we've got a TEDx speaker on our podcast. Like how exciting is that? Yes. And is a multi-six-figure conscious sales speaker, coach, mentor, best-selling author, yes, of this great book that I've just read. And so has Tanya, author and CEO of the Institute of Conscious Sales. Nina has spoken to thousands of people globally and has been featured in articles such as on such as places like Yahoo Finance and spoken at TEDx in the UK, Sydney's Mind Body Spirit Festival as well, NLP Worldwide, Juice Plus, Isogenics, University of New South Wales, Child Abuse Prevention Services Sydney, and many, many more. The Institute of Conscious Sales supports entrepreneurs and salespeople across 14 different countries with online courses, programs, and trainings. Nina combines the mindset, energy, and skill set of what she calls conscious sales. So her following named her the Naked Coat, which I love, which is uh, with the title of her best-selling book, The Naked You. Really exciting to have you here. Welcome, Nina. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's and it's so cool. Like I remember when I first saw you, I was in a in a live event and I was sitting in the audience and you walked up on stage and I do remember this, like I literally put my hand up at the end and went, How yeah. can I work with you? <laughs> yeah. And I was saying it in the sense like I want to work alongside you, I want to work and learn how you are in the energy that you were in because when you brought that to the stage that day, you were the opposite of me and I was so attracted to the that opposite reflection of myself because the, the you felt like a powerhouse to me. You felt like, yeah, I've got my shit together, I know how to sell and I know how to sell with integrity, which was really empowering for me. And being a woman, you know, you up on stage, being a woman, like having this really soft energy because there was a moment through that talk that you actually cried and you brought the vulnerability in that speech, yet you you still held yourself so strong. And I was just like, oh, my God, that this is what I want for myself. 
And so that's when I first met you. And yeah, since then we've had multiple like touch points along the way. And it's been really, yeah, it's been really great because you reflect to me what I would like to become in my future. Like part of me, there's part of me that wants to stay the same and be this, you know, the real soft nurturing side of me that I love, but I also want to empower myself in that regard as well. So yeah, that was real. That was my first introduction to you. Do you, you remember oh, that day? So beautiful. I do. I really do. Yeah. Um, and you know, in this conversation, you know, we're all spiritual here mm-hmm. and we all know that we're a reflection of each other. And so there's nothing in me that's not already in you. It's just a recognizing of what's already there, which is so beautiful. Yeah. It was so cool. So yeah, let's let's first have a quick chat around the TEDx speaking. I'm really excited to talk into that for a moment. So tell tell us the lead up to this. What how did this come about? Oh my goodness. Um <laughs> so I did that last year. I, I say to so many people, I felt like I gave birth to twins last year with my book and with my TED talk all happening within a few months of each other. It wasn't supposed to happen that way, but that's just the way that the universe had planned it. Mm-hmm. Um, and really it was a lot of synchronicity from 10, 15 years ago when I found out what a TED Talk was. It was on my vision board. I was like, I'm going to do that one day. I'm going to be able to speak that red little dot one day. And it wasn't until, uh, when was it? The start, oh no, towards the end of 2021, my partner said to me, uh, because my partner's English, and he said, I haven't been home in nine years. I'd really love to to go back to England for my 40th birthday. And we now have a five-year-old who was three at the time. Yeah, she's just turned, so she was three at the time. And really no one had met our little girl. And um, so we booked flights to go to the UK. We decided to do a Europe trip for six weeks. And about a week after we had booked our flights, I got this random email. And for those of you who don't know me very well, which most of you don't who are listening, I've got like 10,000 unread emails. Like I am just (laughs) not an email person. I don't like reading emails. Like, yeah, I'm just... Like it just accumulates. But I happened to see this email saying, um, you know, TEDx Surrey University, we're going to be hosting an in-person TEDx event for the first time in two years. Applications are now open. And I remember thinking, sorry, I'm pretty sure that's in England. And I looked, I'm not even supposed to be getting these emails. Like I've, I opted out of all of those emails because it was COVID. It was literally right after COVID. And I happened to see this email and I thought, I'm pretty sure this is in England. And I looked at the dates for the actual TED Talk, which they provided, which was months in advance. And it happened to be the same dates that we were in Europe. And I remember, yeah, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is for me. The universe has sent this to me. Like I was still really unattached, but at the same time, it just, you know, that feeling of this is meant for me. Like, I feel like this is for me. And um, they did get a record number of applications because it was their first in-person event since COVID. So I think they had like 144 applications. The first round of applications, every TEDx um, organization 
I know a few TEDx speakers and no one's had to go through the extent that I've had to go through, but I'm really grateful that I had, that I got to go through that process because I feel like it's made me stronger. Um, but the first round was sending a two to three minute video, sharing a little bit about who I am and my talk. The second um, round, oh no, the first one was a, a, a form. The second one was a two to three minute video. And then the third application was me sending through my entire speech and delivering the speech after seeing it through. So there is absolutely no room to think of something on the spot. There is absolutely no room to to make it up. Mm. Right? And, you know, Prue and um, Tanya, I know that you guys have seen me speak and I'm quite intuitive in the way that I present and the way that I speak. I, I'm not typically scripted in what it is I say. I just speak from my heart and what's present for me. And so um, I had to create this speech and... Uh, for those of you who don't know, like a TED talk is renowned to be under 18 minutes. Like it's a, it's a pretty hard stop unless you're an absolutely huge speaker, like TED talks go for 18 minutes and, and that's what makes them a TED talk. And so editing this 18 minute speech took just as much time as it did editing my book. Mm. And that's something that a lot of people don't realize. I did a, tra- a speaker training last year and um, the trainer said, if you want me to deliver a five-hour presentation, give me five minutes to prepare. If you want me to deliver a five-minute presentation, give me five hours to prepare. Oh, wow. Okay. To be able to concisely share your message in a short period of time is really, really difficult. And so I um, literally, I think it was two days before we were flying out to Europe. I got an email saying that I I made the top 14. I was like, oh, Um, and when I got there, they actually told me that it was, I was the only person who auditioned on Zoom that made the final cut. Wow. Because a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people weren't able to express their enthusiasm Mm. through the screen. I remember thinking to myself, oh, I'm so grateful that I've built my business on Zoom. I'm so grateful that I've done yeah. so many presentations through Zoom because I've exercised that muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that I think a lot of people don't realize, right? Like when when you're showing up on screen, you actually need to be that little bit more enthusiastic for it to go through the technology, through yeah. the screen. Um, and funnily enough, they, um, they they told me that they that I made the final cut, but they said to me, we would like you cut it down to 15 minutes and I was like (laughs) what what (laughs) and the thing is like when you cut down a speech you can't just take out a paragraph because it's going to be a chunk of information that it it doesn't connect so Mm. then I I literally went through the speech over and over and over and over again then I had to re they had to redo sentences and then change another sentence so that you could take that paragraph out and yeah so Mm. it, it was definitely just as challenging and took just as much time, energy, focus, effort that it did writing my book. Like I, I, I literally wow. see them as twins. There you go. Yeah, that's that's intense. You don't. I'm sure many people don't know the process behind a TEDx talk, and yeah, that sounds pretty intense. the The most intense thing for me would be to actually stay on script, like you said. It has to be really succinct, and yeah, you actually have to memorize it, right? Yeah. Oh my God. That yeah. sound feels like it's in, so impossible for me to do that. <laughs> I think as well, um, you know, when I was in year seven, 
what age was that? I don't remember how old I was. Um, oh, no, I was in year two, so yeah. I was about I was about seven, mm-hmm. eight. Um, I used to do acting, so that's where I get a lot of my. And I, I was a dancer as well, so showing up on screen is something that I've gotten used to doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but going from acting to becoming an entrepreneur, being a coach, growing my social media, it it's a shift from being a character to being yourself. Yes. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's definitely a process that a lot of people don't realize. Like I, I remember making the commitment to myself that, cause I kept having nightmares about being on the TED talk, um, doing my TED talk and just forgetting everything. It's like how we have these dreams, right. Leading up to something. And I remember thinking to myself, it's one of my best friends actually said to me, Nina, you just need to be prepared. Like if you're prepared, you can go in, you can show up, you can do what you need to do and you know that you've done what you need to do. I'm like, you're so right. And obviously we're traveling Europe around this time. Like we're literally going, we're doing a drive around Scotland for like towers where we went to Spain, we went to Italy, we we're in the UK. And we were traveling around that time. And I made the commitment to myself to repeat, talk to myself paragraph and I'd keep doing it. And I'd learn another paragraph and then I'd repeat the whole thing. I'd learn another paragraph and then I'd repeat the whole thing. And I was so committed. I did not miss one day, whether it was practicing at five o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the morning after a night out because I forgot to (laughs) do it earlier in the day. Um, There were so many times I remember sitting there um, in, in the room that we were staying at with my daughter and my partner lying next to me asleep. The sun wasn't even up yet. And I'm like, talking to myself, practicing my speech. And it's the commitment of the craft. A lot of people want to be able to just do a TED Talk. They want to be able to just have a book published. And I've shared with a lot of people, I can see exactly why I didn't manifest that opportunity until last year. I wasn't mm-hmm. prepared. I, I didn't have the level of discipline that I had. I didn't have the level of commitment that I had. I wasn't clear enough in my message to be able to articulate it in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And even now, like how much I've grown in the last year, I, I'd be able to deliver a better speech than I did last year. Yeah. And yeah. so that commitment to doing the work every single day is something that I see a lot of people forget is part of being able to grow. It's it's who you're becoming in the pursuit of your goals. It's not about the goal. Mm, yeah, amen to that, the who you're becoming. Let's just say that again, in the pursuit of your goal. It's not about the goal. It's so, it's so very true. You know, our wholehearted community, we're all just here like supporting each other and leaning into the discomfort and you know holding space for each other figuring out where we're growing and who we're becoming so that's beautifully said because that's basically what we're doing we're like okay we're just showing you who you'd like to be as well like sometimes you might not be living that person right now but you can like if if you have a vision of and goals are great because goals give you a vision but it's about who you are to reach that goal so yeah beautiful I'd just like to jump back just a little bit to um, the presence you have on screen. I think that's really intriguing. And the first time I seen you speak, I was in the Zoom room at a live event. And um, when you you just started walking down the aisle to go up to the stage and I could feel your 
your energy and your confidence through the screen just from you walking up to the stage. It was like you were like walking up the aisle and you had this train of confidence oozing behind you. It was magnificent. And um, and that was, you know, as I was in, in a Zoom room in a live event, so it wasn't even like you were looking at me. Um, is that something you're conscious of when when you are giving a talk? Like, are you are you conscious of of um, presenting yourself not just to the people in front of you, but to the people who are watching on the screen as well? Honey, this is such a beautiful question. Like, thank you so much for sharing this, sharing your experience with me. To be honest, no. Like it's it's not um, the forefront my of my attention to to be confident. What's at the forefront of my attention, and honestly, like being on the side of the stage doing my TED talk was probably the most heightened of this feeling that I'm expressing right now. But it's the focus of how can I be in my body? How can I focus on being myself and expressing and sharing my love outwards? So it's not necessarily about how am I being perceived. It's not. And I, I think, you know, especially as women, when we get caught into thinking, um, how, what are people going to think of me and how are people going to perceive me? That's when we can get in our head and that's when we get into comparison. Um, but for me, um, um, a, a big focus for me, and I talk about it in my book, is how can, how can I just be me? How can I be the best, most loving version of myself? And then how can I express that energy outwards and, and share my love? Um, I, I have a meditation that that is actually free for people. But um, one of the things I talk about is how can you shine your light? How can you share your love with the world? And even on my TED Talk, I said, for me, sales is just another way to share your love with the world. It's another way to share your gifts with the world. And so for me, when when I'm sharing from my heart, when I'm, when I'm presenting, when I'm um, in a position of having the honor to be able to share my voice and share what it is that's on my heart, the very first thing that I'm feeling into is what is true for me right now and, and how can I be the best version of myself and and express that outwards. And how people receive that is completely up to them. I, I do my best to completely be unattached. Like I remember feeling that pressure when I was doing my TED Talk. And it was actually Brendan Bashad who um, got me on this path. I remember meeting him back in 2012. Like no one knew who he was back then. There was a hundred people in the room. I went up, I had a photo with him. Like literally no one knew who he was. And I remember sitting there in the audience thinking, I was crying. I was crazily writing notes down. I thought to myself, he's talking to me. He's talking to me right now. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like he was talking to my soul. And it was a day that I realized that I'm here to be a coach, a speaker, and an author. And I remember it's, it's a bit of my mantra. And again, I talk about this in my book. Whenever I share, whenever I present, I just think if I can just impact one person the way that Brendan impacted me, I've done my job. Yeah. So I don't, I don't like to focus on like, how can I, how can I like impact every single person and how can every single person see me as inspiring or see me as this or see me as that? It's, I'm just going to speak from my truth and I'm just going to, to trust that at least one person will feel the resonance of what it is I'm saying and that I'll be able to create and co-create a, a ripple that will affect, you know, the 
them and the people in in their their circle because Brendan Bashad has no idea what I've now created no. because the impact he's made on me. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's the same like going back to that meeting that Tanya and I that was the same um event that we were both on. I was in the room, you were on Zoom and when yes. yeah, Nina walked up the aisle with all her confidence oozing behind her, got on stage, did her thing, and I was completely magnetized towards her. Yet there were people in the room that were completely repelled. Like, you know, and yeah, I know this is not going to hurt your feelings, Nina, or anything, because it's not, they're, they're the people that you're not talking to. You're talking to the people like Tanya and I that are like magnetized and like, yes, we we can see something in Nina that we'd like and we want to be reflected in ourselves. So all the people that are showing up, the naysayers, you know, that have, you know, felt like you were, I don't even know the words. I can't even describe what the words were. Um, not for them. And it's like, that's okay. We're not for everybody. And that's true in life across the board. We're not for everybody. You know, like I'm sure half the people that I've met don't want to have a relationship with me and that's totally fine. But when we get caught (laughs) up in the fear of it, of wanting to please everybody, which in the past I have been, like I'm really shedding that part of me now and so is Tanya and so is Donna Lee. We're all shedding that part, that people-pleasing, that we must, everybody must like us. So, and I know that, you know, in the book you do talk about that, but tell us, you know, tell us actually how you do that because people on this call might be still in like, oh, God, like I can't show up really as myself because, you know, people, I might be different to how I was and people like me how I was. They feel comfortable with me how I was. How do you actually do it? Mm, It's such a big question. It is. Guys, you're not going to (laughs) get a single, simple, all enlightened answer from what I'm going to say, I really do feel it's a journey. I feel like there's many pieces as we go through life and there's there's just no perfection. And that's why I, I call myself a recovering perfectionist because I feel like I'm always going to be a recovering perfectionist. I'm not going to get to a point where I'm like, I'm recovered now. I am no longer a perfectionist. <laughs> yes. it is going yeah. to, it's going to be a lifelong journey. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, when I was in real estate, my boss said to me, and, and that's where I get a lot of my sales background and experience from to begin with, my boss said to me, one in three people will like you, one in three people won't like you, and one in three people will not know if they like you or not. Okay. So just focus on the one in three people that that do. And I think hearing that very early on in my personal development journey really helped me realise that I'm just not for everybody. And the thing is, if we spend our life trying to accommodate for other people, they're not going to be happy anyway. So we may as well just do us because there is absolutely no way we are going to please everyone, even if we try. Mm. And Dr. John Martini, he wrote the foreword for my book and he's got a, I think it was Dr. Martini. He has a really beautiful quote. I would rather have the whole world against me than my own soul. Yeah. And for me, um, you know, I talk about my experience of being sexually abused in my book and the time when I hadn't yet shared it with my parents the time before I was able to to be open, um, not even necessarily publicly, but just come to terms with what had happened to me and share it with the people who were closest to me, like my parents. I was really going against myself. And I think I'm so clear now of that feeling of this just doesn't feel good to me. Like this is me dishonoring myself 
by not speaking up, by pretending everything's okay, by not sharing what's actually on my heart. And because I felt such a polarity at such a young age, I feel now every time I feel even a glimpse of this doesn't feel good for me and I feel like I'm dishonoring myself, I feel like because I've gone through such a big experience, anything that feels subtle I, I know it's a slip slope, like to go from dishonoring yourself to completely like, what am I doing with my life? How did I get into this situation? I don't want to get to that point. And so for me, it's nipping things in the bud constantly. It's, this doesn't feel good for me. I'm, I'm going to honor it right now, as opposed to it getting really, really, really bad. And, um, you know, feeling the way that I did when I was younger and you know, I spiraled into depression. I was physically harming myself. Um, and I know what it feels like to be so disconnected with myself. And it's just not the way that I want to live my life. And so even though I know people aren't going to like what I have to say, even though I know that I'm not for everybody, I know that happiness for me comes from being able to be myself and attracting those people who can love me and accept me for me and and vice versa, mm. right? Like mm. when uh, Brené Brown talks about this a lot and I talk about this in my book as well, the only time we can truly feel like we belong, the only time we can truly feel like we are accepted and loved for who we are is when we can be who we are. Oh, Otherwise, so we have the reasons of like... You don't know who I am. You don't know what I've been through. How can you love me if you don't know what I've been through? You you don't you don't actually know what I'm thinking. You don't actually know what I've what I'm what I'm feeling and what's going on with me. So you can't love me when you say you love me. That's not real. It's not until we're able to really be who we are when we're like, oh, you see me and you still love me. Oh my gosh, you really do love me. Yeah, and that for me is true connection. Yeah, you said in your book, like, and I've written down the quote, I'm like, page 28, it says, to really feel love and acceptance is priceless. Uh, Like, I wrote that down, like, I just need to write that down there. And I knew that it was about, (laughs) I knew that it was about me loving and accepting me first, not anybody else. It's not out there seeking people that are going to show you love and affection (laughs) or acceptance. It's, yeah, the inward work first just the the intuition is that's what I'm hearing from the answer to that question it's like the intuitive knowing like something happens and you're presented almost like with a decision like I know it's like micro decisions along the way and it's like okay I can show up as the person that they want me to show up as or I can show up as myself and that might be really uncomfortable and I'm choosing me every single time so that's what I'm hearing from that yeah I feel like it's just leaning into it more and more. I don't feel like there's a a time where I'm like, I've completely honored myself 100% every single day completely. So um, for me, it's, there are still moments where I'm like, oh, I could have, I could have communicated that a bit better. I could have, um, I could have honored myself that little bit more or, hmm, okay, I can see that I didn't, I didn't do it as well as I know I could. And for me, it's just about the continuous and continual improvement of looking at myself, taking responsibility, but not feeling bad about it. And I think that's a really big piece because especially as we fall in love with personal development, it's really easy to see our flaws. Like, oh gosh, this insecurity is coming up again. I thought I dealt with this. Yes, there's going to be many, many, many layers, but I think it's just how can we just get that 1% better every single day? How can we be that 1% more in our heart? How can be how can we be that 1% more honoring of ourselves and the people in our life? And I I feel like that's what it is for me. It's it's just that continual just 1% better. 
1% better, 1% better. And a really good friend of mine, I speak about him in my book. He said to me, I don't thrive. I don't strive for perfection because once you hit perfection, there's nowhere left to go. There's no more improvement. There's nothing left that you can, can grow. There's no more room to grow. And so why are we all striving for perfection? And he said said to me, for me, I strive for growth. I'm like, I love that. I love that so much. And we're so much kinder with ourselves. Oh, absolutely. There was this, I was listening to something the other day and they were talking, someone was talking to a screenwriter and they said, the screenwriter said, if you ever want some to, for someone to be disliked in a movie or a show, make them perfect. So no one even fucking likes perfect people. Like it's the one way to be unliked is to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, we'll be perfect. We'll be perfect because then everyone will like me. It's like, actually, no, that doesn't happen. No. That's not how it works. It's not relatable. Yeah. No. It's not relatable. Tanya, I feel like that's something that you wanted to share. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just kind of occurring to me as well that you, even if you put yourself out there in an attempt to, um, to please whoever's in front of you, that doesn't mean you're pleasing those people over there and those people over there anyway. So you're going to be, whatever way you present yourself, there's going to be someone who's not in tune with it and not liking you back. So what does it matter if you're if you're pretending or you're putting your real self out there? It's you're still you're still whichever way you're still not going to please everyone in the audience. Yeah someone is always going to be disappointed. Someone Mm. is always going to not like what you have to say. Always. Um, I think it's Jesse J that says this. It's such a good quote. Those who matter don't mind and those who mind don't matter. (laughs) And and that's how I live my life. Like really, I only really care what the people closest to me think. Mm. Everyone else, I'm like, whatever. Yeah. It's all good. Hmm. Yeah, it's a good way, like, you know, and I know that we teach our children this. For some reason, I think I was taught this as a child, but I obviously didn't believe it (laughs) because Mm. I went the other direction, like trying to people please and do all the pleasing things. So I've heard it and that's why it's important. Like, and I've heard you also say, Nina, it's important for all the people out there doing self-development and the people teaching it to say it over and over and over again because one day it will land and... Mm. Yeah, you might hear it today and you might have heard it 50 times before, but Nina says it and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, <laughs> it makes sense today. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so that's sometimes, really it's, sometimes it's hearing it literally the thousandth time where mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I get it now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see that. Um, but, again, it's just layers, like layers of an onion, like Shrek says. Right. And I think the more we can be kind to ourselves and realizing that there is going to be more layers, there's going to be another level of insecurity. There's going to be another level of, I thought I, I thought I worked through this already. Yes. It's okay. That's amazing. If you've hit another level, that means there's another level for you to go. Mm. And for me, and you know, when we tie in sales, it's just for me, sales is just heightened communication. That's all it is. Mm. And so reframing um, is, you know, terminology in sales is looking at something differently. And for me, that also ties into awareness. So 
I feel that a lot of, for me, you know, again, tying into confidence is I've just learned to trust myself more than I've ever learned to trust myself. But that comes through taking action, that comes through honoring myself, that comes through time and the journey that I've been on. And I share with a lot of people, it was actually um, Prue's daughter that asked me this. She's like, Dina, how are you so confident? She asked me at one of the, the events. <laughs> and I said, I'm more confident now than I was last year. Last year, I was more confident than I was the year before that. That year, I was more confident the year before that. And um, how old was Stella when I met her? Like 18, 19? 19, yes. 19. Mm. And I said to her, you're more confident than I was when I was 19. Oh, yeah. And so I, th- I think it's really easy to to look at someone and look at where they are today. Um, but, you know, one of my mentors said, don't compare my chapter 20 with your chapter two. Yes. Like everyone's mm. just on a different journey. And I think it's just, again, just being really kind with ourselves. There, there is no destination. Like when you get there, you realize there's another mountain to climb. You know, there's another journey to be able to go on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, like being kind to myself is such an ongoing practice. Um, and that, especially for women, like strong, ambitious, mm-hmm. confident women, it's really easy for us to be hard on ourselves. And I definitely have to catch myself doing it like, you know, my mm. best friend, my partner, they're like, I think you need to be kinder to yourself. I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. I think I need to as well. It's such a habit for us to to not be kind to ourselves. But again, it's practice. Yeah. Practice. Okay, so Nina, what does that look like to you? What When you know that you're not being kind, what does kind, what do you do to bring that back into context for you so that you can, you know, use the situation or the circumstance to be kinder to yourself? That might be helpful to our audience. Yeah. Um, For me, the very first thing is my mindset, right? Because um, so many entrepreneurs, and we've heard this so many times, if you cannot learn to direct your thoughts, your life is not going to go in the direction that you'd like it to go in. Mm -hmm. Because you guys know your thoughts dictate your emotions, which dictate your actions. And I see time and time again, when people are so consumed by their thoughts and then it derails their life, it derails their business, it derails their relationships simply because they're not able to direct their thoughts. So when I'm hearing and noticing the insecurities, the doubts, I honor it. I'm like, okay, cool. Thanks. You can leave now. I'm not, it's kind of like, a child that's nagging at you, are you going to keep giving them attention or are you going to say, I'm, I'm just not going to feed yeah. into this right now? I'm not going to feed into this drama. And it is a muscle. I am a lot better now than I used to be, mm-hmm. but it is a muscle. And so it's exercising for me that, oh, I can notice me feeling bad. Okay. Again, reframing. How can I see this as an opportunity? What can I now do about it so that I can change the way that I'm behaving and the way that I'm feeling so that I can stop thinking so negatively about myself? And I feel like the cycle of feeling bad about yourself is, oh, I feel bad because I didn't do that thing. And then you keep feeling bad instead of just going and doing the thing, then you wouldn't feel bad that you haven't done it. Like rip the bandaid off, do it. Then you're like, oh, I feel good about myself. I've done it now. And a lot of people just don't take enough fast action. They dwell on it. They feel bad about it. And it's like, well, just go do it. You just feel better (laughs) once you do it. So true. Why the fuck do we do that to ourselves? (laughs) Oh, it's crazy. It's also, you know, the human condition. 
there's a part of humans and there's, there's no judgment. It just is what it is. There is a part of us that's addicted to the pain. Yeah. We identify as the pain. It feels comfortable. It's part of what actually keeps us alive. Mm. Um, there's an amazing, beautiful woman. Her name is Michelle Masters. Um, and, you know, I've done a lot of work with her and she's a, an amazing expert when it comes to money, money mindset and, and shifting your unconscious beliefs around wealth and money. And one of the things that she talks about is your critter brain, which is the, the back part of your brain, your reptilian brain, is one of the first things that's formed um, in the human brain. And whatever you have experienced at a young age, your that part of your brain just associates that with survival. So if you were hit every single day as a child, that is what it means to, to be safe and be alive. So if you're not getting hit, that part of your brain will look for a way to have that sort of behavior done to you because mm -hmm. that's what it means to be alive. Yes. And so if we have lived our life worrying, complaining, being hit, whatever it is, whatever we have been conditioned to experience, even if there's a part of us that says we don't like it, even though there's a part of us that's like, this doesn't feel good, that part of our brain, that is safety. Mm. And that's why it's an uphill, like a bit of an uphill battle changing our beliefs and changing our behaviors because we've lived the majority of our life thinking the same way, feeling the same way. And that's why it gets easier because the first part's always the hardest. Once you've yeah. come through a big part of it, it's like, oh yeah, no, I can catch myself a lot easier now. I can realize that that is an old belief that I can learn to let go of and, and you become stronger. Yeah, I need to Does share that, that just, question. Yeah, absolutely. For me, it did. And I also, I wanted to share this. So just when you were talking about the reptilian brain, what you're what you know you were taught as a young child so you say you're a recovering perfectionist and I'm say I'm a recovering nervous person <laughs> that's that's my line and it's and I've always just associated with being kind with like quiet and just like falling into line doing as I'm told like following the rules being good you know and as soon as you said that it's like, because I've been going through the last couple of weeks, having lots of memories from my childhood come up. And the biggest thing that I was taught how to do as a child was to be quiet. Always be children. Like every time dad came home, mum would say, kids be quiet. And dad would be like really cranky if we were making any noise. So we had to be super quiet all the time. If we were driving to like Adelaide, we lived in Broken Hill. It's like a six hour trip. If I asked how far or how long, or I'm thirsty or I need to go to the toilet, I would literally be smacked. Like my dad would reach back behind and smack me. And so I was taught that being quiet was safe. So I did. I showed up mm. quiet. I didn't actually speak until I was five and a half. Like didn't actually use words. Mm. I was five and a half. And so that, no wonder it feels like such an uphill battle when any time that I want to use my voice. And so the person that you know, Nina, and even Tanya and Donna Lee, or Donna Lee, Tanya did know me earlier. I was quiet. I didn't say anything. I didn't have opinions. I didn't, have, well, I did in here really, but I never voiced them. So using my voice has been something that I have like practiced and train myself and it's my thoughts it's like I can say things what I have to say is impactful it is important I am valuable 
that has me showing up because if I just listened to those old thoughts, I would just be being my old self, which I didn't want, didn't feel like it was aligned to me. So, yeah, so that that just got me all in the emotions then when you said that. Mm. This I think this really ties in beautifully as well with what Tanya asked because, you know, um, the way that our mind works is the moment a question is asked, we will think about answers, like mm. we will look for the answer. Yeah. And I think it ties in so beautifully because when we learn to love parts of ourselves that we've rejected, when we've learned to love parts of ourselves that we feel the people around us didn't love or accept, I feel that that's a big part of where confidence comes from because mm. we can show up as we are regardless of what anyone has to say because it doesn't matter. You love you. You love that part of you. And, mm. you know, when you were sharing that story, again, I talk about this in my book, I, like I have a really loud laugh. Like I, it sounds like a witch's cackle is what people say. And so, so often growing up, people would tell me to be quiet. People would tell me I'm too loud. People would tell me to stop laughing and stop doing this. And I was so insecure about that for the longest time. Um, But again, over the last few years, I've realized that the people who love and accept me for me love that about me. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, I love your laugh. I'm like, really? You love my laugh. And now I'm like, oh, well, thanks. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, we can be more confident when we can learn to love all of who we are. And, that, you know, that's the purpose mm-hmm. of the book, embracing your imperfections. Um, and I think that's a big piece of where confidence comes from. Yeah. Yeah. Loving, like, loving the side of me that is quiet and gentle and nurturing. Like for a while there, I was really trying to move away from that. It's like, no, that's not what I want to be. But actually I love that about myself. And that's what attracts mm-hmm. my clients to me because that's how I am. And so, yeah, actually learning to love that is in, an important piece for me for sure. It's not just mm. being the opposite of that. And now, yeah. now it makes sense, right, Why, when you got up on stage, I was like, oh, my God, you know, Nina, <laughs> look at all the, the confidence, yeah. And yeah. it's also the polarity, like, you know, there's, there's a part of me that absolutely just loves talking to no one. Like I love being in my own energy. I love being by myself. I love having, I, like, I love my day to day with my family. Like mm. I'm so happy just being at home with my family. Um, but then there's also a part of me that loves events. I love networking. I love being out there. I love podcasts. And, and so I think it's have, loving one element without making another element wrong. Like yes. it's just the seasons of life as well. We we can be the mum and the daughter. We can be the friend and the entrepreneur. We can be the loud person and the quiet person. I think it's yeah. loving all that the entire spectrum. Yes. Yeah. Gee, so everyone that's listening, you know, how can you love yourself right now as the person you are? How are you showing up? Even if you're considering them as flaws, you know, because that's what we often do. We think that's a flaw. It's like, let's just love into ourselves. Let's just like love on ourselves. Like there's all this love bombing for others. Let's just love bomb on ourselves. <laughs> yeah. I know it's getting close to wrap up time, but there is one question I have been dying to ask you, and it's a little bit out off flow here, but I'm no. going to ask because Bruce's going to wrap up any second. I can feel it. <laughs> So I am also a recovering perfectionist, Nina. And there was in the very beginning of your book, in the in the on the first page of the introduction, um, you have written um, 
about this is where procrastination and perfectionism has come for me within writing this book. How do I grasp the infiniteness of our life in one sentence, one paragraph or one book? And this is where I, I struggle a lot. Like we were talking earlier about my not speaking very much and and it all comes back down to this sentence, how do I grasp the infinite, the infiniteness of life in one sentence? How, how do you narrow that down? How, how do you not take the whole world in your one answer? Like, <laughs> do you, it, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, for me, there's two pieces. The first piece is, as we've been sharing, realizing that my entire value isn't going to be in the one book. It's not going to be in the one talk. It's not going to be in the one conversation. It's the compounding of my life and and the being in each moment, first and foremost. Um, I think when we expect everything to be in the one thing, like, you know, I, I work with coaches and I help them grow their businesses. And so when I help them run their first masterclass or run their first training, um, when they are in a mindset of, oh, but it has to be like this and this many people didn't show up and it didn't go like this. And and I say to them, it's not going to be perfect the first time. And so when we expect the one thing, the one relationship, you know, the one book, the one program to be the all and perfect, I think that's where the disappointment really comes in. That's where we can start to feel really bad because it wasn't what we expected it to be. And again, like, um, Donnelly, you're going to love it. It's in my gene keys. Like literally expectation and failure is a big part of my gene keys and in my profile that I've had to really journey with how can I celebrate each moment? And this ties into the second part of my answer. For me, um, I was talking to one of my best friends yesterday. And we were talking about purpose. And we've literally gone through a bit of a hole within our mind of, oh, what is my purpose? It's such a big question. And sometimes it can feel really down, not knowing what that thing is, not having that big all-knowing answer of why am I on this planet? What is my purpose? Am I living a purposeful life? It's such a big question. It's such a big answer. And again, in the gene keys, it talks about how can you just embrace each moment? And so the mindset that I've really been adopting and I have to continuously remind myself is for me, it's about how can I be the truest version of myself in each moment and how can I enjoy each moment as I know what direction I'm going in? So it's not about, oh, this is the purpose and until I get to that purpose, purpose, I'm not valuable. Until I get to that purpose, I'm not worth being loved. Any of the reasons that we put associated with our goals, but I'm actually already heading in that direction. I'm actually already stepping into it. It's just going to be a more heightened version of what I'm doing now. And so for me, like finding my purpose, finding what I'm here to do is really honoring myself in each moment. Like what is true for me right now? What feels really good for me right now? And it's such a big question because often when we do achieve our goals, we hit a bit of an identity crisis where we think, what do I actually want for my life? And I remember when I first made a full-time income, um, I hit my first six figures in my coaching business back in like 2020, after seven years of failing, by the way, for those of you who don't realize, it definitely wasn't an overnight success. But I remember when when I was making a full-time income, I thought to myself, what do I even want for my life? And it took me months to actually get clear 
And I, I remember thinking to myself, I don't even remember the last time I asked myself what I genuinely desire because I was so busy focusing on the goal that I forgot why I even wanted the goal. I was so focused on this was on my vision board and this was what I wanted, but I'm like, is it really what I want or is it what someone told me I should want or is it just what everybody else wants or is it what I wanted three years ago that maybe it's just not doesn't feel good for me anymore. I just don't really care about it anymore. Like one of the things that I really don't care that much about is the type of car I drive. Like, I'm just like, whatever. Like we've (laughs) we've got an, yeah, we've got an MG. I would love a Tesla one day, but I'm like, I would rather put that money elsewhere right now. And so it's being really honest with myself with what do I actually genuinely care about today, the person who I am today, not who I was last week, last month, last year. And again, I talk about this in the book. I'm pretty sure it's in the first page is I'm probably going to disagree with some of the stuff that's in this book. It might be a year before (laughs) I disagree with myself or it might be a month before I disagree with myself. Um, But I'm pretty much saying like, don't expect me to be perfect because I'm not. Don't expect that there's going to be all of these answers that's going to answer your life's questions in my book because no one book will really be able to do that. It's a a compounding of your life. Yeah, beautiful. And I, yes, yeah, you can change your mind along the way. It's totally fine. (laughs) Yeah, and and books... Books are really a variation of perspective and, you know, you can write your book and 100 people can read it and I'll guarantee not one of those 100 people will read it from the perspective that you wrote it. It's never going to happen. So you've got to, you know, I I remember learning that a long time ago just because what I write um, on Facebook, I I give this delivery and then you get these replies and then you realize that they didn't even get what you said. Uh-huh. So it's it's you've you've got to just do it and not get hung up on what hung up on how you're perceived or commented on and I think that's part of your own personal self-growth and if you do feel triggered which we we all do at times, I know that that's a place for me to go hang on a minute, you've been triggered. This isn't about what she said. This is about what is that in you? And that's the power to be able to see that. I'm not, and I'm not saying that every circumstance that you have in your life is, you know, something for you to look at because there has to be boundaries. Mm-hmm. But it is an opportunity when you're, you know, becoming self-aware and you're doing those one percenters. This is the discovery. You are in the center of your own world, having an opportunity to discover that and to reach to supports and find like-minded people. And, like you know, yes, nobody is born overnight. If, mm. if we read any of the people that we've read and followed, no one has been born overnight. It's been years of progress and showing up and showing up and showing up and doing hard shit. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> yeah. it's actually one of, one of the quotes that I've thought about is my work of art is sharing who I am right now in this moment, in this second. And this is where perfectionism can really trip us up because you're going to change next week. You're going to change next month, especially those of us who are committed to growth. And so a lot of people get stuck because you will continually want to change. Like I can literally read my book and I know what are the things I'd change already. If the moment it went to print, I was like, oh, 
I could have changed this, but I'm like, no, done is better than perfect. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I'm constantly reminding myself, mm-hmm. done is better than perfect. Because if we're constantly refining, it's never going to get finished. Mm-hmm. We're never going to finish the book. We're never going to finish the speech. We're never going to finish the program. We're never going to finish anything if we are constantly just refining without putting it out there. And so, again, like my work of art is just sharing and honoring who I am in this moment. And I think oh, that's a really priceless. great some of that like a summary of what we're talking about yeah and it's and it's reassuring to our audience that it's okay to change you know I think about when we you know we've come from places where if you made a mistake you were too embarrassed to say or speak up or even be um confront confronting situations but this I feel is what's changing is that we are being supported in being vulnerable in being different but I feel having that network or those people around you to do that will grow that safety to when you go further into the world where you can actually say, I don't give a shit what you think. This is what I think. And I'm standing in my power. I'm standing in my light. You know, what Michelle Obama, her book, I've just finished reading, The Light We Carry, totally and utterly relates to what you're talking about today and what we talk about in Soul Sisters, what we're trying to bring to wholehearted Soul Sisters. Beautiful. This conversation could go on forever. I know that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so, well, I think we're going to leave it there. Are you happy with that? Would you like to leave any imparting like message for our audience, Nina, and just some, you know, words of wisdom from you before we leave? Yeah, I think, I think um, the biggest thing is a question I feel like I'm I'm constantly bringing back to myself and it's one of the ways that I'm able to let go of the expectation. I'm able to not focus on what people think of me. I'm, I'm able to focus on what truly matters for me is I just ask myself, how, how can I enjoy honoring myself in this moment? How, how can I enjoy and love myself and in this moment, Mm. regardless of if it's challenging, regardless of if it's good, regardless of if it's hard, how can you love yourself and honor yourself through it? Because for me, I really feel like that's where happiness comes from because I've found happiness when I've been struggling and I found happiness when I'm on a high, Um, Mm. but it's honoring who I am and being able to share those experiences with the people who I feel like really know me and love me for who I am. Yeah, beautiful. So people, if you're listening, ask yourself that question, sit in it and see what, what comes up for you. And if you want to want more of Nina, <laughs> we are going to drop all Nina's links in the show notes to this episode. And please go yeah, and follow along. Yeah, follow along. Exactly. The book, The Naked You. It's embracing your a guide to embracing your imperfections in life and business. It's a really great read. It's a quick read got some really great prompting questions in there so i would recommend everybody go listen as well oh not listen read that book yeah i tried i tried looking for the listening version but there is no listening version well we have i have actually created the audio but it has to be edited okay so it's it will be edited hopefully before the end of the year Cool. So is it in bookstores? Did you get it online? Yeah, through, you can get it on amazon on booktopia um it's yeah. i have a signed copy look <laughs> I'm special. <laughs> so may I ask, is it also in bookstores or only yeah, online? It's, it's in some. Um, you'll just have to find them 
Um, I'll see if I can get a list for people, but um, the, the easiest is probably ordering it on Booktopia. It'll be delivered within a couple of days. Okay, thank you. For those people in Australia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so that's a wrap. Thank you so much for being our wonderful guest today, Nina. It's been an absolute pleasure and I'm sure very eye-opening for anyone that's listening. So thank you. Thank you, Nina. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for being part of this Soul Sister conversation. It would mean the world to us if you like and share this podcast with your own Soul Sisters. Follow the show so you don't miss an episode. And if you are so inspired, leave a review. All suggestions and questions are welcome and you can drop them in the Facebook group. Thank you, beautiful souls.